1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective,
2: 2020 on Vision.
0: There is a campaign underway to see legislation passed in every Australian state and territory to protect the right of parents to know what their child is being taught and to remove them from classes with sexual content. Now, our special guest today wants to see parental rights galvanised in Australian law so that Australia's children can be protected. There appears to be a concerted effort from not only the state, you know, when I say the state, we're talking about governments, federal and state governments, the state, and from media giants enabling an ideology rooted in feelings, not facts. The social impact runs so deep into almost every area of life, but especially demonstrated when it comes to sport or what's happening in prisons and social services. The media and activists appear to be intent on dragging as many people as possible with them, but part of the challenge is coming from the top. As you'll know, the Prime Minister just recently announced a task force for women And yet the Minister for Women, Maurice Payne, apparently refuses to define the term woman. Well, our special guest today says the overarching theme is always a lack of definition terms like man and woman. Seems simple to you, seems simple to me. Well, we're going to talk through these things today with our special guest, Kiralee Smith, who leads the organisation called Binary. Now, Binary is like a rebranding of what we might remember as the Marriage Alliance. Uh, played a huge role back in the marriage debate just a few years back. But Kiralee Smith, a special welcome back to 2020.
3: Thank you so much, Neil.
0: Here, Lee, let's just pick up for a moment. Uh, when I mention the leader of the Task Force for Women, Maurice Payne, refusing to define the term woman, uh, this is something you're pretty concerned about.
3: I'm extremely concerned about it, Neil. I have made written requests of every single federal and state minister for women in this country. And, as you know, Maurice Payne is a part of the coalition government, that some of the ministers for women around Australia are part of the Labor government. And what I've found is it doesn't really matter uh, which side of the, you know, political divide they they say they're on. Uh, They all say pretty much the same thing. And I'll read just this sentence to you, Neil. This is what the response was when I said, can you please define the term woman and not use some circular statement that says anyone who wants to be a woman can be a woman because that doesn't make any sense and it's not actually a definition. And her response was the Australian government recognises that individuals may identify and be recognised within the community as a gender other than the sex they were assigned at birth or during infancy or as a gender which is not exclusively male or female. So that flies in the face of scientific fact, of evidence-based biological reality, uh, of the historical usage of the terms man and woman. And uh, again, to me and to many others, I think it's, it's quite a nonsensical statement. That does not answer the question how would you define the term woman and then to have a portfolio as the minister for women and to be on you know heading up the task force for women and to not be able to define the term woman uh, i think is insulting and also very dangerous
0: Interesting, isn't it? Anyone who wants to be a woman can be a woman. And one side says, isn't it a wonderful privilege that everybody can be called a woman? Uh, the other side was uh, going to reflect what you say. Uh, you're going to be insulted by the fact that just anyone can claim that they want to be a woman. Uh, this is an interesting way that this sort of thing has developed. Uh, you know, there's like a cheer squad for both sides here.
3: Yes, there is. And. Um, I would, so far as to say, uh, let's say the other side to what I'm on, uh, only has feelings or emotion-based arguments. They uh, they're not measurable. They're not consistent. They would be different, you know, to every single person. Whereas a biological definition is evidence-based uh, for man or for woman. Uh, It's, you know, world recognized, you know, it doesn't matter which country you go to, there is a term for man and a term for woman, and they both uh, always relate to exactly the same physiology that we have that's different. And we also know that even, you know, as high as the United Nations, that Women have disadvantages throughout the world because of their biological reality. It's not because they feel like a woman; it's because they are a woman. It's because that they have the reproductive system and all that goes with that. That uh, that does make us, you know, as the Bible might say, the weaker sex, and uh, we need extra protections uh, because of that biological reality. And those protections are now being compromised because there are plenty of males who are saying that they identify as women.
0: And interesting because it's controversial when you use words like weaker sex and uh, Bible and, uh, and talk about definitions there. And listeners might like to contribute to our conversation today because uh, weaker doesn't mean weaker uh, in all uh, of the different dimensions of personhood. Uh, what you're talking about there is, of course, uh, reproductive uh, capacities. Some people will say there's a vulnerability there that needs some level of protection while you're going through that. I imagine that's what you mean by that when you say weaker. But in interestingly, yeah, what we're talking about here is is not just about feelings here, but scientific foundations for saying those things, Kiralee.
3: Correct. And, you know, I've alluded to and I think most people would understand, you know, um, a very simple definitions are males have small gametes or sperm production, the presence of XY chromosomes in every single cell of their body, in every cell, including their brain cells. They have a male reproductive system and uh, they have, you know, they've naturally produced testosterone. Now, all of those things might not be in fully functioning order, but they're present and they... Uh, evidence-based so we can see that that makes a male and it's the same uh, you know qualifications for female and it's it's pretty much been unchallenged and and not argued throughout all of history until very recent time um, you know with the push of the Marxist agenda to dismantle the family so we've and you know we see this is another component of that when we de-gender marriage uh, we de- have to degender language, we have to degender education, we have to degender public policy, and uh, the consequences are quite startling.
0: Interesting when you say a Marxist agenda to dismantle the family, because anyone listening to our conversation today could Google. Uh, the writings of Marx and uh, when you do a control f you can search a document easily and you can type in their family or male and female and you can come up with the sort the sorts of clauses that that really demonstrate that this is what's going on right now because sometimes we use those words cultural marxist or a marxist agenda and uh, we think that that's just one side uh, raising uh, you know some sort of emotive argument but in actual fact this is very much grounded in the fact that Marx wrote about these things to dismantle the family, and those things can clearly be seen. So when you see those things happening in our society today, you can direct it. You can connect it directly to this idea of a Marxist agenda. Does this come up in conversation much with you, Kira it,
3: it certainly does, Neil. And uh, as you said, you know, there's there's documentation over the past century from Marxist, uh, you know, in the Marxist manifesto, but also in, you know, other organisations that are similar, whether it's the Fabian Society or socialist groups or communist groups. And the family is the greatest threat to a large government and to that sort of control um, that takes God out of the picture and then takes family out of the picture. And, you know, there's been a very uh, deliberate and concerted push, you know, things like abortion same-sex marriage, and now this transgender movement are all very well documented in those kind of manifestos.
0: So is it fair enough then to draw a conclusion that when you've got strong families, you've got protections for all of the freedoms that we're used to in Australian society? So strong family means freedom. Weak family, dismantled family, uh, definitions gone bad means a rise of this potential uh, Marxist uh, authoritarian move?
3: Oh, I would agree 100% because when you take away the authority and the autonomy of the family, it has to go somewhere and the, the goal is to, to put it in the hands of the state or the government and uh, uh, we, <laughs> there's very few people that would say that the state can do a better job of raising children than the family but that's the uh, that's the purpose, that's the point, that's what they want to do and they want to have that control. So large government and a government that controls the population is is the end goal
0: and the idea and and, you know we're going off on all sorts of tangents here and listeners might like to contribute to our conversation but the idea you've got big government uh, you've got a dismantling of the family uh, easy to put the carrot before the donkey uh, and say uh, a few dollars here a few dollars there a few trinkets uh, to give away your freedoms and your family Uh, that sort of thing seems to be the case as well Uh, government money uh, those sorts of support mechanisms that support the idea of a breaking down of the family is that something that you think through
3: uh yeah look absolutely i think that's definitely a part of it there are so many factors and and it's been a very clever and deceptive uh, movement and uh you know we've we've seen we've seen so many different aspects to it and i think that that you know um Uh, flowering up the language or changing, you know, reimagining the meanings of words such as man and woman or this gender fluidity notion, uh, the money that does come behind it and the incentives that families have, uh, you know, when they send their children or put their children into the care of the government instead of taking that responsibility for themselves. Um, the fact that you know you referenced in the introduction that we have a parental rights campaign and that in New South Wales at the moment, Mark Latham is conducting an inquiry into education and, and parental rights within education because uh, the fact is, I think a lot of this happens by stealth and most parents aren't aware. I doubt most parents would actually hand over control (laughs) you know just say oh yeah government you look after my children for me but it does happen in the way you said that there's incentives there's uh language changes there's those sort of things that mean that now children's rights or or children's abilities to make decisions for themselves are being elevated way beyond their capacity to actually make those choices and decisions
0: Let's focus a few moments on media. I mentioned this in my introduction, that somehow or other media in, you know, it's in hand in hand with the state that's moving this way. A lot of people will say, well, the media isn't that just so big that it has to have some level of neutrality about it, but then there's that whole debate around whether journalists can be neutral because they're all being shaped by the environment that they're in too. But feelings make for a good debate, whereas science might settle the debates. So, does the media, do you think, keep the focus on the feelings so that there's a good story?
3: Absolutely, Neil. Uh, You know, you and a few other um, interviewers and reporters are the only ones on the planet who are interested in having this conversation. Uh, Mainstream media, you know, I think it's long dead. If anyone thinks that you're going to get an unbiased view in mainstream media, then um, I'd... No, as, as compassionately as I can say, please wake up because you're not going to get that. Uh, they control the narrative. They make sure that voices like mine are censored or not heard. Uh, right now in Australia, there's an academic from Melbourne University, um, Holly Lawford-Smith, who, you know, she she's simply wanting to have this debate about women's sex-based rights and she is being hunted down, she is being cancelled, she is being persecuted, her supporters are being assaulted in the streets. It's quite alarming the lengths that um, people are going to and the media do very little or do a lot actually to cover it up to make sure they only report on one side of the narrative.
2: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture And current events.
0: Well, we are in the deep end and our talkback line is open. 1 800 316 316. You might have your own question. You might have a comment. You might even have a critique about our conversation. Uh, You might have an alternative view. That's okay too. 1 800 316 316. You can also respond on our Facebook page today. Why do you think so many people have trouble defining a man and a woman? Well, our talk back line open, 1-800-316-316. Kiralee, before we go any further, let's take a call. Marguerite is on the line from Rockhampton in Queensland. Hello, Marguerite. Welcome.
4: Welcome to you two, um, Kiralee and um, Neil. Um, I'm just... I know Satan's the um, father of lies, and I know he's deception, and I know it's confusion, and that's what we're all going to be feeling, but... As far as I know, there's one God. He created a woman to bear children, and he created a man um, to do his job. So I sort of see a woman as giving birth. I haven't really ever seen a man give birth, but, you know, I, I just don't understand why they can't define a man and a woman. The difference between that is that a woman gives birth and the man doesn't.
0: Marguerite, that sounds like common sense. uh, But Kiralee, what are your thoughts for Marguerite?
3: Well said, Marguerite. I think that you're absolutely spot on. And I'll add to that. You know, the the Bible opens in Genesis with uh, the creation account and God created man and Adam. Adam, you know, had to name all the animals. He couldn't find a, a helper suitable for him. And so God very deliberately took a um, woman out of Adam and, uh, you know, made her complimentary to him and was very deliberate in that. And it says that we're, we are both made in God's image. So at the end of the day, it's very anti-God or anti-Christ to suggest that there's anything other than man and woman and that uh, God said when He created man and woman, it was very good, and uh, I don't think we need to improve upon what God made. I, um, I I happen to agree with Him. Man and woman, very good.
0: Marguerite, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. In fact, there are some popular definitions, and one I've uh, I've had on this program before, Kira Lee. Uh, a popular definition of womanhood being personality driven. As though being a shopaholic, a flirt, (laughs) disinterested in sports, preoccupied by high heels and makeup, and loving interior design uh that's what a popular marketing image of a woman might look like but that's got nothing to do at all with a biblical definition uh, so a, a real a definition with real foundation we have to go back to as you say genesis but uh, there are popular definitions like that and and you know women tend to like to fit into that don't they
3: well, I think some women do, Neil, but certainly not all women. And I think that's the beauty, you know, when um, when God made us and and we are made in him in his image very deliberately, uh, there as Marguerite alluded to, you know, there's specific specific functions in that in that we are childbearers and, and raisers and nurturers and all of those sort of things. But how we express Our femininity and how a man may express his masculinity is infinite. It's as infinite as God. It's as creative as God can be. And I I love that about God, that he gives us the freedom to express ourselves in so many different ways. So, yeah, there's women who like to shop, but there's women who like to work on cars. You know, there's women who love high heels and there's women that wouldn't be caught dead in them and would only wear a pair of, you know, um, uh, boots, pull-on boots. So I think that's that's the beauty. And we've spent... As you know, we've spent centuries, decades and centuries for women and to break down those stereotypes of men and women so that women could no longer suffer under the oppression that ha- that they have been under in so many countries around the world throughout history. And here we are now in 2021 where the transgender activists want us to, to drag us back into those very rigid stereotypes and say that if a man likes to wear a dress or high heels, he must be a woman, which to you and I is an absurd notion. That's just plain dress up. That doesn't make a man a woman. A man cannot bear children, as Marguerite said. A man cannot breastfeed. A man cannot go through menstruation or menopause or any of those other things. No matter how much lipstick he puts on, it won't change the facts that he is a man.
0: So a woman can like sport. A woman can enjoy restoring and fixing cars. It doesn't make her less of a woman. Hey, you've got got a petition that's running right now and uh, there's already something like 12,000 signatures on it. I do want to mention this a number of times through our conversation today. Uh, What's this petition all about that you're wanting people to join into uh, to achieve an end that you've got in mind?
3: Yeah, well, we want to enshrine parental rights in law. We think that, uh, unfortunately, you know, again, through some some very deliberate actions of uh, people, you know, let's call it the Marxist agenda, have quietly been removing uh, or ensuring that parental rights are not at the forefront uh, in this country. And whereas in the United Nations, again, in other places, parental rights have been enshrined, but they're being manipulated and they're being changed in many ways. And so we feel that it's essential that parental rights are enshrined in law. And right now in New South Wales, there is an inquiry going on into their education um, by the Education Committee um, headed up by Mark Latham that's looking at this very issue. But it's something that needs to be looked at right around Australia because every day we're hearing accounts of schools allowing children to transition transition without parental consent or knowledge we're hearing doctors and medical interventions happening without parental knowledge or consent and uh, this is completely unacceptable and extremely dangerous for the young people in this nation
0: it's about protecting children and last week there was a real kerfuffle wasn't there in the new south wales parliamentary inquiry uh, mark latham's bill into gender fluidity in schools, parental rights. There was an LGBT crowd that arrived and uh, caused uh, some level of uh, outburst during that. You were there, were you, uh, Lee?
3: I wasn't actually present at the time of the outburst. I, I was a witness the following day. But, yes, there was quite a disruption. It was very emotional. It was... Uh, very accusatory, it wasn't rational, it wasn't reasonable and it wasn't fair to those who had been invited to give evidence. So, you know, there is a process and uh, each one of us who was invited, we'd made submissions and I believe it was some the AUCL members, the Australian Christian Lobby um, representatives who were disrupted their time was uh, cut short by these protesters uh, it's intimidating to have that sort of uh activity going on around you when you're trying to present evidence to a parliamentary inquiry and it's very disappointing but i feel that it highlights again if this is a reasonable debate if this is a if you have reasonable evidence for your position then there's no need for that sort of behavior and yet we're not seeing that reasonable evidence come from transgender activists we're only seeing very emotive very intimidatory tactics very uh, yeah, a passionate please, but they're not based, they're not evidence based, and they're not based in science or reason or respect.
0: Is this a bit of a signal here when you've got no evidence, all you've got is an ability to stand up and shout out and disrupt proceedings because you're looking for an emotional uh, outlet here that's going to perhaps persuade some that maybe we better not uh, say anything against them because they're emotionally uh, vulnerable? Uh, is Is this the sort of thing I think we're seeing here? No evidence, so you get emotional.
3: Yes, I think that is. And, you know, as Christians and, and I think just as citizens, of course we feel very compassionate towards people who are confused and who feel very uncomfortable with their own bodies. Uh, but to take that to the next step and then impose that in public policy and impose those uh, distorted feelings upon the rest of the population is not a way to conduct civil discourse or to create p- policy in this country. And so... Uh, they have been very effective. The media, as you alluded to earlier as well, have been very complicit in making sure it's all and only the emotional pleas that we're hearing instead of the evidence and the facts. And the parliamentary process is meant to get to the bottom of it with the facts. and. Uh, I hope after the two days of hearings and the 80 plus submissions that the committee will be able to sit down and have that reasonable conversation amongst themselves and come up with some recommendations for the New South Wales government. I feel a little bit... Uh, concerned that that may not happen when you have someone like the Greens member who... Kiralee, we'll have to
0: continue this after the news. About to break for news. (laughs) Kiralee Smith is our guest. Kiralee leads the organisation called Binary. There is a binary website, binary.org.au. There's a petition they have running at the moment. 12,000 signatures there. You might want to add yours to that uh, hearing the conversation today. You can call in our talkback line open on one 316 316. You can also respond on Facebook. A question there I'm asking today why do you think so many people have trouble defining a man and a woman? One 316 316. Kira Lee, before we go any further, why don't we take a call? James is on the line from Kyabram in Victoria. Hello, James. Welcome.
1: G'day, Neil. Hi, Kira Lee. James, what are Hi, your Dave. thoughts? Oh yeah well I've been looking at that we know God's not the author of confusion and I think that that's a big concern for a lot of people is that the enemy wants to bring confusion but God would say that he wants us to encourage those who are oppressed but in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 the second half says for there is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus so we as believers know that there's no doubt about the difference between male and female. Sometimes it's to too much extent. For me, I find women beautiful. I love the sound of their voice. I enjoy women uh, sisters, right? But but for people who, aren't, who are outside, if they see confusion in us, it doesn't help them. I think that we need to say we have to accept them and embrace them just as they are. Um, but I'm really interested more like in that verse where it says there is neither male nor female. Like Jesus said to the... Pharisees in their day, a man who'd been married to a woman died and then five other brothers married him. And then Jesus said, you don't understand the scriptures because there's neither uh, there's neither marriage, there's no marriage in heaven. So it, it won't be a ma- problem about the five wives. So when we get to heaven and, and if we make too much of an issue about someone being gender confused and not encouraging the oppressed to see that God actually says there's neither male nor female um, in Christ, how do we approach them in that in that extent, of trying to embrace with compassion and love and understanding um, these individuals who are who are caught in the in the valley of indecision, and tell them, look, we understand. We've all had issues with our own sexuality. We've all had issues with our gender thing because the devil is oppressing, and we need to encourage them in the fact that you know, like one guy uh, said, you don't have to tell a crocodile to be a crocodile but you sometimes have to tell a man to be a man. And Jesus said, be strong and of good courage. You know, we can encourage people into the fact that they are either male or female in their genders, but really God's not ultimately caught up with that because his Bible, His word says there is neither male nor female. I
0: think That's we're right. talking future here uh, in heaven before God, uh, neither male nor female, but on earth, yes, there is male nor f- male and female. But James, good thoughts. Let's get a thought or two from Kiralee.
3: Yeah, um, look, uh, good question James and I believe that it it is about our salvation and our eternal destination as uh, Neil just said that before God we are made in God's image. God is neither male or female. We have, we express the totality of God in male and femaleness but he's been very deliberate when he created male and female on this earth, this side of heaven Uh, but I think it's talking about our value and our ability to attain that salvation. It's got nothing to do with whether we're Jews or Gentiles or whether we're male or female to that audience and at that time there was a very rigid system of who had value and who had worth and who didn't but our worth isn't as male or female our worth is as a child of God. God and so I think that it's important to make that distinction and for people who are struggling with gender confusion and their sexuality of course we need to be compassionate and I think that we need to always start back at that point of Genesis that, that God was very deliberate and very um, purposeful in making man and woman you know as the Psalms talk about we're knit together in our mother's womb that God knew us before we were even born and uh, that we've got to learn to embrace who we've been created to be, and that will express uh, well. That's how we will live the life that Jesus died to give us, and that's how we will uh, find our peace and our our hope and our joy in Him.
0: James, great thoughts. Thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Just to bring back that Bible verse for a few moments, as James is quoting out of uh, Galatians chapter 3, uh, the context there, and I'll read this for listeners in case there's any confusion there. So verse 26, let's start from there. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, uh, yes, neither male nor female in that time when the inheritance comes. Uh, So this is a future time, neither male nor female. But here on earth, yes, there is male and female. And uh, we've got an obligation here, I think, to make that definition. Hey, let's take another call. Bridget is on the line from Albany in Western Australia. Hello, Bridget. Hi Neil, how are you going? Very well, Bridget. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to really add something. It's really good listening to um, you know people's responses about what makes uh, a man or a woman. I would have to think, really, uh, what what defines a man or a woman is basically the code that the creators put into them to begin with. I was reading something recently about how every single female cell <coughs> has the double X in it and every single male cell has the X and a Y. So even someone who's gender confused and goes down that path of um, wanting to change their gender, every single cell in their body is going to fight that transition for the rest of their life. And the other thing yeah. to go with that um, was the fact that I sort of read a testimony recently of um, a man who had had a sex change it's a little bit graphic but basically he he said because he regretted it sort of years down the track he said even though i did this thinking it would fulfill me make me happy and be the answer to my unhappiness he said for years now that that wound that i put in myself to try and become a female he said it's forever trying to close up and heal because every you know everything in his body was screaming out that he was male
0: wow Uh, good thoughts in that bridget uh, response from you kiralee
2: yeah brilliant well
3: said I couldn't agree more and uh you know I think it's this this we've you know euphemized the language in such a way that people go, Oh, you know they've had a sex change. well, nobody on earth has ever changed their sex. nobody ever can, and for that very reason that you just said that our genetic material is written on every single cell in our body in our brain cells, in our skin cells in our liver cells, it doesn't matter what cell it is, it will cry out that it is either male or female and to try and uh, work against that will just cause a lot of pain and confusion. So I don't think it's a compassionate thing to uh, try and, uh, you know, the the trendy term is affirm someone's gender. I think that what we need to do is help them embrace who they are and, uh, you know, if they want to express themselves with costume, with uh, emotions, with characteristics or personality traits, by all means do that, but you cannot change your sex.
0: Bridget, thank you so much for your call. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 to join in our conversation. Uh, we're talking about male and female. Let's take a call, an anonymous caller calling in from Western Australia. Hello, welcome along.
4: Hi there. Hi, Kira Lee, Hi, Neil. Hi. Hi.
0: What are your thoughts? Um, <laughs>
4: Basically, I think it's pretty clear and it feels quite ridiculous that society has even come to this. Um, when you're a female, it means you've been born with female reproductive um, components and vice versa. A male has the, you know, genitals. and So it's inside is a different matter. If you're feeling like, say, you're a girl and you don't feel very feminine and perhaps you've been attracted to other females but you know time can change that and that can come from very different sources too like maybe you didn't have a healthy relationship with your own mother and somehow you you just want that comfort and assurance from another female um there's a lot of brokenness that drives you to confusion but it all sorts itself out in the end and if we're pushing this too young it can really mess someone up
0: good thoughts uh, response from Cara Lee.
4: Look, yeah, it's, I mean,
3: there's a lot of complex issues that, uh, you know, underlie why people have gender confusion. There's trauma, there's autism, other mental health issues, and, you know, lots of different circumstances, as you said. And, uh, of course, I will say it over and over again those people deserve compassion, they deserve the best medical care, counselling, pastoral care, the things that they they can get uh, without radical and drastic interventions that are often irreversible and cause more damage than, you know, what is already, they already have to begin with. So I think it's very important to look at a person as a whole person and uh, to help them, as I've said, to embrace who they are and to, uh, to find healing and, and as You and I would say, Neil, the only place we can find healing is in our saviour, the great physician, Jesus.
0: That's right. And thank you so much to that anonymous caller from WA. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to have your say today, you might have a question, you might have a comment, you might have a critique, an alternative idea to offer today, and we'll address some of those where we can. Let's take another call, though. Aaron is on the line from Roma in Queensland. Hello, Aaron. Welcome. G'day, Neil. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. What are your thoughts?
2: Mate, I'm uh, listening to the conversation, and um, I used to work in finance uh, and insurance where the definition of words was quite literally the be-all and end-all of whether something was acceptable or not. Um, And it really deeply concerns me when people are talking about something as fundamental as 3 little words or five-letter words, man and woman, when something as simple as and, is, or, or completely changes the way that those words can be interpreted. Um, I just, going forward with what's going on, not just in relation to men and women, that how easily people are changing words affects the way that we interpret our society.
0: Isn't isn't that that the case? Uh, When we talk about the words we use, the language we use, that's the words that create the culture we live in. So, yes, definition is so important. Uh, Aaron, let's get a thought or two from Kiralee.
3: Thank you Aaron I could not agree more and I think it's not just in the industry you've come from it's very important in the medical profession that you know everybody understands the terminology and the definitions of words once upon a time in journalism you know the definitions of words you would think would have been you know the greatest uh, tool and would have the greatest emphasis placed on them in public policy in education in you know, our children on one hand we're taught to Uh, you know, that definitions matter, that science and evidence matters. But on the other hand, we're saying you can throw that out the window when it comes to gender. So I think this is very key to all of the problems that that we're facing, uh, particularly in this area of sex and gender. And that is one of the reasons why I'm working so hard uh, to get these terms defined in law, because in a court, as we know too, those definitions and those tiny little words can sway a case one way or another. So I think it's absolutely essential and crucial in every way that we do define those words because we have built our society on that common understanding of those words and now those words are being challenged and it is causing chaos and disruption and confusion.
0: Aaron, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Words are important, and I I'm, no doubt, Kiralee, there'll be listeners who are saying, where can I read the words that Kiralee is writing because you make so much good common sense? Uh, I'm just uh, led to this idea. Binary is about to launch an e-book, something that people will be able to access wherever they are online. Uh, what's your new book about? Uh,
3: the first one, we've got about five that we're working on at the moment. And the first one is on Sport, because there are a lot of people who, yes, they agree with this, but they're not quite sure how to communicate with friends, family, employers, or other people around them. So we've put together a simple ebook that will be accessible uh, if you come to www.binary.org.au, uh, and it will be released in the in the coming week. And it's, uh, it just covers five simple areas of you know women's sport. Why is it important? Looking at the laws of how. Transgender people are now prioritised instead of women when it comes to women's sport. Uh, what the Sport Australia policies are looking like, the absolute science that undergirds how dangerous it is to allow biological males to participate as males in sporting categories, and also some examples of the threat that it is to female athletes and their careers. You know, I have two daughters who love sport and. It breaks my heart to think that, you know, our 5 a.m. wake-up calls and all the training sessions that we go to and the competitions could all be, you know, the carpet could be ripped out from underneath them because a biological male chooses to participate as a female.
0: You know, back onto this sport issue here. If you have transgender people playing sport in a women's competition, uh, Essentially here, you don't have women's sport anymore. It is fragile like that, but that's what's happening right now, Kiralee.
3: That's right. And, you know, we've, um, we have two sporting categories, male and female, because, you know, we said earlier on, there, there is a, a weakness, I guess, that comes with being female. Now, not all females are weak, and there are stronger females than some males. But when you look at the results of all of the Olympic sports or uh, well-known sports around the world, males always, always are faster, stronger, have a greater capacity in their sport than what a female does, simply because of physicality, because of biology. And it is completely unfair and also extremely unsafe um, uh, in many sports, especially contact sports, to include males. So World Rugby is one of the first sporting codes to actually do the science, to present the data and to show beyond any shadow of a doubt that the science supports the fact that males Uh, could do and will do a lot of damage to females in a sport such as rugby. And we're hoping that many other sports will follow suit and uh, write those things into their guidelines.
0: Okay, 1-800-316-316. Let me bring you back to a name you mentioned earlier in our conversation, and this seems to illustrate that when people, even though they're well qualified, uh, want to speak up and state the obvious uh, when it comes to scientific facts and sorting out the emotions from what's real. uh, Holly Lawford-Smith, an Australian academic, uh, she's uh, been in all sorts of uh, controversies of recent times.
3: Yes, she um, she launched a website called No Conflict. They said, and it's it's specifically in relation to the fact that um, women's spaces. And services are being uh, compromised by allowing biological males into those places and she's inviting stories from women uh, whether it's you've had an encounter in a change room or your sporting code or perhaps missed out on a scholarship or an award and uh, this website is being inundated by personal stories of females who are having their spaces compromised by biological males who are identifying or self-identifying as women and it's caused a massive ruckus There's a 115-page, I believe, petition against her with 111 pages of signatures, including other staff from the Melbourne University or the University of Melbourne who are opposed to her and are trying to get her cancelled, who are trying to uh, get her removed from her position, who want the website taken down. And again, instead of engaging in debate or preventing, uh, pro- providing evidence to the contrary, it's a very emotional debate, it's a very aggressive debate. At one protest or demonstration, Holly Lawford Smith's supporters were attacked, uh, people throwing water over them, they were afraid, they didn't know, you know what that water contained, they were verbally abused and harassed, and one disabled woman was even pushed to the ground for supporting the position that women should have sex-based rights.
0: And now this is interesting because this is women throwing uh, water or whatever substances there on women. So what's happened here, I'll get your thoughts, but it appears to be uh, that whenever there's this sort of new move and there might be a righteous cause to fight, but there is a certain sense in which this Marxist foundation arises. And you might even say Marxist feminists rising to take over the cause and... switch things around to make their own ideology uh, clear Uh, your thoughts here for what's happening when there are things like you know the March for Justice recently and and uh, only some sorts of women are welcome to be participating what are your thoughts here Kiralee
4: yeah
3: absolutely the March for Justice got a lot of media attention and uh, you know some of it was rightly so of course we don't want Uh, sexual assaults and rape occurring in our Parliament House by our our politicians, and and that was what it was meant to draw attention to, but it soon became very apparent that anyone who speaks against the trans agenda, such as myself, and when I asked the organisers of the March for Justice to define the term woman, and, you know, at point blank asked them, can women have a penis? Uh, We were, myself and others were aggressively targeted. I was banned from Twitter. I was uh, ostracised. And many women at the March for Justice who had the same position as myself uh, were verbally attacked and assaulted for holding that position. And I think that, again, it just comes down to the fact there's no evidence, it's all emotion-driven, and it's, it's a tactic to intimidate and to silence reasonable and evidence-based uh, information coming to the fore.
0: Kiralee, interesting while we talk about this sort of thing and the idea that uh, perhaps Marxist feminists might be taking control of what's happening so far as these sorts of protest events Uh, happen, and as we say, oftentimes on a righteous cause, that you might hope that there'd be a lot of Christian women who would also be outspoken here, but there doesn't seem to be the Christian women being organised in such a way that they'll be able to uh, take a leading role in these sorts of things. Is there any sort of thoughts or feelings you might have here about, you know, what sort of things perhaps Christian women might need to be prepared to do when these sorts of things arise?
3: Oh, I have so many thoughts now. <laughs> Try and keep it brief. <laughs> but I guess I should, what I would like to do is encourage other women with some verses and some truths that, that keep me going every day because it is, I guess it can be intimidating and, and there's fear that would come naturally from people trying to oppose you or be aggressive towards you. But the bottom line is, you know, I serve Jesus Christ and He's the way, the truth and the life. And so I'm more than prepared to truth and um, you know we, we all know the vo- verses about fear you know and if my God is for me you can be against me and uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper so I I think it's time in in this situation and many others where we say either the Bible is true or it's not either those words are true or they're not either Jesus is the truth or he's not and so if we say that we are Christians and we believe that he is the truth then uh, you know all we need to do is be salt and light. That's all he's called us to do. The battle belongs to the Lord. I don't have to worry about that uh, at any point. Simply be salt and light. So I will continue to shine a light on these things. And uh, I'm very encouraged by the tens of thousands of people who are stepping up, Neil, and who are joining the fight, who are joining organisations like Binary, to, um, to draw the line in the sand and say, enough is enough. Men and women are fabulous. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to celebrate the differences and we're going to protect our children uh, from this harmful agenda that wants to rob them of their identity.
0: When you say tens of thousands, you're not exaggerating there. I did mention the petition you've got running that already has 12,000 signatures on it. You'd like to see that uh, increase quickly to 20,000. Uh, what are people signing their name to when they sign your petition, Kiralee?
3: Yeah, well, they're signing their name to a petition that is uh, then given to politicians in state and federal parliaments. They're also signing up for uh, updates and regular uh, campaigns that we will be rolling out to help. We want to do a number of things. We want to educate and help people be aware. There's simply... I think a lot of Australians just don't know what's going on, and they need to be made aware of these things. We need to uh, let our politicians know that while there are very loud voices, uh, and emotive voices, trying to sway them to be, you know, to make these decisions, that the the most reasonable and largest voices in Australia, our voices, are the ones that need to be heard, and we need to take action when it comes to. Uh, schools, when it comes to the military, when it comes to sports. And so they're the sort of things that we'll be doing and they're the sort of things that you can sign up to help with.
0: Well, numbers do count. And if you've got enough numbers, you're going to have people within the ranks of those numbers rising to positions where they can be effective spokespeople and uh, effective people who can lobby and uh, be Uh, activists in that sense of uh, fighting for women's rights, fighting for family rights. And uh, if you can have a Christian foundation to your heart and soul and uh, to be able to reflect the reality that God brings, uh, those are the sorts of people that will want to see rise to the surface. So let me point people to the binary website, binary.org.au. You'll find that petition there. Add your name to it, B-I-N-A-R-Y.org.au. Kiralee Smith leads the organisation Binary. And Kiralee, just great getting your insights once again today. Thank you so much for being with us on 2020.
3: Thanks for having me, now. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision
1: Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.